part of that whole thing. <clears throat> well, hello, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Whoop, a loud. Um, I'm so glad you're here today. And if I don't know you, I am Pastor James, I promise. Okay, I know a lot of you are looking at me going, who are you? What have you done with James? What is up with that shirt? People were like looking at me like I, you know, I had something wrong with me. Are you, are you okay? Are you all right? Um, no, yes, this is all part of the message, I promise. But we are so, so, so glad that you're here on this Labor Day weekend, the faithful. I was literally, I, I, I no joke, had um, about, with those families, about 42 people out today. Let me know that our family's going to be out today. Uh, so I thought, Melanie, maybe it's just going to be you and I, which, okay, we'll try that. Um, so, so the faithful here, thank you so much for being here on this Labor Day weekend. I want to start, before I jump into this series, and this is going to be a very challenging series, uh, but, but hopefully you'll, you'll get a lot from it. But before I jump in it, I have to give you a little bit of a, uh, a follow-up to last week. Now, last week, you, I told you that us as pastors, we don't always get it right. We don't always give the perfect advice. Uh, if, I, if you were here, then you knew that my daughter Piper was at school and somebody was cut in front of her in line at the little jungle gym area and, uh, it, and she stuck up for her little friend. She says, you can't keep cutting in line. That's not right. And he pushed her. Uh, and then she looked at him like kind of shocked and then he said, you don't know my family and he pushed her again. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So um, she, I said, what did you do? And she said, I looked at him and I looked around and I got scared so I just started crying and I ran away. And then I hid underneath the uh, playground area. And then she said, what do I do if he does that again? And if you recall, <laughs> my advice to her uh, was to kick him in an area that would assure that wouldn't happen again. Um, so she said, well, I, I, I don't know if I feel right about that, Daddy. I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, she goes, I don't think Mommy would like that. I'm like, well, we're not going to tell Mommy about this one. We'll just go ahead and do that. Um, but there is a follow-up. So on Monday, I went up to her and I said, I, I, said, I picked her up from school. I said, are you okay? Did you, did you see that bully again? And she says, oh, yeah. So, Pipe, so Phoebe says she made a new friend. And I'm like, Piper, what happened? And she says, well, I went up to him and I said, hi, my name's Piper. What's your name? And he didn't say anything. So she goes, I followed him to where he was. And I said, hi, my name's Piper. What's your name? <laughs> so he didn't say anything. So finally, he walked over here and she goes, I got in front of him again. She goes, would you like to play with me? And he said, uh, okay, and we played together. And I said, why, um, why, what made you think of this? Um, and, and, and she says, well, Daddy, I thought about it. And I thought, it's really hard to push your friends and be mean to your friends, so I thought I'd make him my friend. Oh. That was advice I did not give her. <laughs> so I learned a big lesson from my seven-year-old theologian. Uh, yeah, she's teaching me. She'll be teaching next week. Uh, but it was another reminder that uh, the faith and the wisdom of children. So they view God as, well, if you said that, then I'll do that. That's what you said. That's what I'll do. It's not until we get older that we go, ah, hold on a second. I think I have a, a better way of, of doing it. Now, we are going into this uh, new series, and it's called Quit Church. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, this is fantastic. Football season's right here. Quit church. This is great. This works out perfectly, Pastor James. I'll, you know, I'll see you in November. But um, it's not exactly we don't want you to quit church. And that's not exactly the, what we're going for. Now, I want to make this super clear for anybody who's going to listen to this later on a podcast or for you here. This is not meant to make you feel guilty. 
None of these messages are to meant to make you feel guilty. Guilt should have nowhere near this series. I want to just give you a disclaimer, okay? If you have not been to church in a while and, I, and I've seen you and you haven't been here in weeks, I'm loving that I get to see you. Don't feel like, oh, I haven't been here in weeks, now I feel bad. Don't. This is not to guilt you at all. It's just to have an open conversation about church and why it's important and why we go. Now, here's a couple of questions that, uh, that might come up. Do people at church, do people that go to church, are they better than people that don't go to church? No, they are not. I see Cap going, yeah, absolutely. No, they are not. <laughs> Wrong, Cappy. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they're not. But, but we may be a little bit healthier. This is what I mean. If I need to get in shape, I will go to the gym. If I need help processing something, I will see a counselor. Those are things that would say that means I'm healthy. I need to get help with some things. Okay, so I'm not saying that they're better. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Uh, no, you do not. If you accept Jesus, you're a Christian, you get hit with a lightning bolt, you're going to heaven. But I guess it begs the question, and why, why wouldn't you want to be a part of a church? If you're a faith-driven person, if you, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, why wouldn't you want to go to church? It's sort of like LeBron James saying, I want to win championships with the Lakers, but I don't want to be uh, on the team. I don't want to play in the games necessarily. I don't want to practice with the team. I don't want to travel with the team. I don't want the team to talk to me. I'll play maybe 20% of the games, uh, and I'll play in the championships, but I want to win championships with the Lakers. Well, you're not really part of the team. You're just kind of coming in whenever you want, but you're not going along with this community, and we want you to be connected to that community. Now, what do we mean by when we say quit church? I thought it would be a good idea to have the person who actually wrote the book, Quit Church, to explain this to you. Now, um, our senior pastor, Pastor Chris Songson, he wrote a book called Quit Church, and he was interviewed not too long ago on, on the news, and, and uh, I thought, you know, why don't, why don't we start off this whole dialogue, this whole conversation with uh, Pastor Chris explaining what Quit Church means. Can we get that video, please? Welcome back. Well, a California pastor challenging believers to rethink their faith by quitting church, or at least the modern attitude towards church, and taking a more active role in their religious community. That pastor, Chris Sonskin, author of Quit Church, Your Life Will Be Better If You Do, joins us now with more. Pastor, great to have you with us. I, I read this, the, the title of your book, and it definitely catches your attention. But I love what you're getting at here because it's the idea that it's one thing to go to church and it is another to spend your life every single day to actually help people, to give back to your community in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it. And yeah, the idea of the, the book Quit Church uh, is it's not about quitting church. I'm not telling people, hey, stop going to church, uh, but uh, I'd be crucified. But um, <laughs> it's not that. It's about quitting our approach towards it. You know, we've... Uh, uh, we've just, our approach towards church and towards the things of God, and uh, we just kind of, you know, we're losing uh, what it really is all about and, and uh, getting plugged in. There's so many things that God wants to do in all of our lives, but we miss out on so much because of our sort of casual approach towards really the principles of God and, uh, and what the local church provides and being involved with that local church. People would say, if you don't go to church, though, how are you reminded to give back? Because you've seen the numbers. I mean, I'm looking at this Pew poll back from 2014, and it shows that just 36% of Americans attend religious services weekly. And those are ones that uh, just admit that. Who knows what the real numbers are? And that was from years ago, and the numbers keep going down. Right, right. So if you don't go to church, who's out there to remind you to be better? 
No, I, I, let me be clear. I'm definitely telling people to go to church. I think that people need to be in church. I think they need to be in a local church that they can get involved with, that they can get plugged in with. What I'm saying is it's such a casual approach towards mm -hmm. that we have towards it. The average person last year that, that called themselves a, a faith-driven person only went 19 out of 52 Sundays. You know, not so many people are being involved with the heart of generosity in a church or serving in a church. And so what I'm saying yeah. to anybody that is somewhat going to church, hey man, don't approach it casually. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it, anything that you want you want out of life, if you want something better out of life, you gotta quit. You know, if you want a degree, you gotta quit watching so much TV. If you right. want to do better financially, be genuine you gotta about quit it. spending your money. Yeah, yeah exactly. so you gotta quit certain things. And so, man, we've got it, we gotta be more genuine, say, you know what, I, I want everything that God has for my life. And so, Christian or non, God wants incredible things for your life. You just kind of gotta dive all in. And I always like to say it this way: if you go all in, God will go all out. Why do you see the numbers continuing to go down? And how do we as a society, as a country, uh, fix that? How do we say, you know, more of us need to believe in something bigger than ourselves? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it is. It, it uh, you know, back in the 50s, you know, they would wouldn't even imagine having uh, Little League and other things on Sunday because church was just so that important. And it just seems like it's become more and more casual. And so we kind of approach church and God and sort of the way that we want to approach it and the involvement that we want. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, it, you know, life gets busy, things get busy. And I get all that. I really do. Uh, but at some point we have to send God, we got to go all in. Right. And uh, and uh, that's what pastors, I talk to a lot of pastors Chris, across the nation, and that's kind of one thing great, they're really struggling with. It's a great yeah. message. We have to go to break, but go get your book. It's awesome. Yeah. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. Okay, so that was kind of a great synopsis of what he's talking about here. In fact, uh, Pastor Chris Songson, our senior pastor, will be here teaching live uh, at the end of this month, September 29th, I believe. Um, so, And we'll also have his books available as well. Uh, so, so put that in your calendar. Last Sunday of September, uh, Pastor Chris Songson will be with us. But it's, it's basically just challenging the way that we approach church. And it made me think of back when I started uh, Nextel. I was getting promoted pretty quickly, and uh, I loved it. Right after college, I got right into Nextel, and I was getting in sales, and I was doing well, and I was making a good amount of money for a kid my age, and I was living in Newport. Things were going really, really well. And all of a sudden, one day, uh, the, a bunch of guys in the office said, we're going to go get passes to 24-hour fitness. You should come with us. And I thought, okay, this is what we do, right? We're sales guys, and, and we, we make money, and we drive better cars, and we go work out, and we, that's what we do. So, great. So, I, I got a gym membership pass, and I bought like all the Nike gear and everything else, and I was like, I'm in it. I am so in it. And so, for a week, that's all I did. I got a trainer, and the trainer knew all of us, and all of a sudden, these guys stopped going, and then one after another. And then pretty soon, I was the only one going. And then it got to the point where I was just like, I'm tired. I don't really feel like going today. And then when you get to that point, you're kind of like everything bothers you. You know, that trainer's always had a bad attitude. I don't think he ever liked me in the beginning anyways. And how come they don't give us free towels? And how come I can't, you know, change the volume on the TV? And everything's, you know, I, I should just leave because, like, you know what? I, I shouldn't even be here anymore. And I just thought, well, if I want to get in shape, I'll do something else. So I decided to take something called Xenadrin. Now, if you know what Xenadrin is that it's legal speed, basically. Uh, you can get a GNC. I don't know if they still sell it. I think, you know, people might have died from it or something. But um, so I went out and I got, I'm not, instead of going to the gym, I'll just get same results and I'll buy Xanadrin. And on the bottle it said you can only, you, you do not exceed four in 24 hours. Well, I was really busy that day. So I said, I'll take all four now and then I won't take any more uh, later. 
I thought I was going to dance. My, my brother basically was ready to call 911. My, I could feel my heart hitting my chest, you know. And, and I was like, three in the morning. I'm like, who wants to play basketball? Let's go. Come on, let's go for a run. And I was just like super wired and jazzed. And I was literally like, this is not the way to do it. This is not the shortcut to do it. And I think a lot of times it made me think about church. We kind of come up with some shortcuts about church. It's kind of like, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go online. Now, let me make this very, very clear, okay? Online, going on church online is awesome when you can't make it to church. It's a phenomenal tool if you can't make it to church. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're traveling or you're out of town. Uh, maybe maybe you're, you're, you're helping somebody that day and you just can't possibly make it. It's a great tool. But then I've heard things of like online campus and then you're encouraging that that's your church. And friends... I'm sorry, but it's not a community. I know that they say you're online community, but nothing takes the place of actual people-to-people interaction. So what happens is you do this shortcut thinking, I go to church, I'll just watch it online. Now, again, I'm not judging you if you do this. I'm glad you're getting something, uh, and there's going to be people that listen to this podcast during the week. And I, to you, I say, I know you're out, and you're vacationing, and I get it, and I'm not, you're not being judged. And this is great that we have this tool, but nothing can replace actually being here. Because what we do is we buy into this false narrative, like, I'm still getting fed. Yes, maybe you are getting fed because you listened to the message. But who are you feeding into? See, church isn't just getting something. That's the biggest misconception. Well, I'm I'm watching it online or I'm listening to it online, and that's kind of what I do. But you're getting something. You're not giving anything. And being connected to a church family means I've got to also give what you don't understand, I, I have discovered through a lot of prayer and a lot of counsel that I actually have a spiritual gift of encouragement and for preaching. I could, that's, a, that's a gift God had given me, okay? But he didn't give it to me to use for me. He gave it to me to use for you. And you have gifts that we need that I don't have. That's why the Bible calls the church the body. Because you could do things I can't do. I wasn't wired to do them. God didn't make me to do them. And so that's why we all need uh, each other uh, to, 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 to support each other and to, to grow God's church. Now, when our lives are not moving the direction we want them to, our impulse is to assume there's got to be a reason and it can't be me. Sure, I'm not involved as I could be, but it's not my fault. We do this in lots of areas in our lives, including our spiritual lives, but most of us ended up in church for a couple of reasons. Now, there's, there's a couple reasons why you're here. I'm willing to guess most of you have been to church before. And there's a couple reasons. One is where I think most all of you are at. Honestly, I know everybody pretty much here, and I know this is where you're at. And it's a very healthy way. And it's a way of like, I was at this one church, name your church, there's lots of great churches in here, but I just felt God moving in a different direction, so now I'm here. Does that mean that church was bad? No, not at all. It was great, and you were supposed to be there for that season. But now you're in a new season, and now you're, you're, you're in a new church. And that's where most of you are at. The other side of that coin is, um, I don't like that church because they're not giving me what I want, and I'm going to come here now. Okay? But if that's your mentality, we're not going to give you what you want eventually because it's going to all go back to, this is what I want. And then we're not going to be able to give that to you, and then you're going to go to this other place. Well, I used to go there, but they're not giving me what I want. And you kind of keep going. That's where it gets dangerous. That's where you don't want to be. Now, let me make something very, very clear. When we're involved in church, it is something that is going far beyond this just attending. 
Okay, just this Sunday. That's why I'm so, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm so glad about what, what Kimberly's doing uh, with the women. Because it's not just about a Sunday message. It's actually being involved in community. I saw that firsthand. When my parents got divorced, uh, my mom was totally lost, and she was praying, and she was very connected with God, but she was enormously depressed. Yes, she was connected with God, but her entire life was falling apart around her. I mean, she just didn't know what day it was most of the time. Her just work and, and trying to manage kids and no more women's ministry. It was those, and where she got centered was a small local church women's ministry. It was those women that fed into her that she was able to say, oh, it's not just Sunday. I get this. I'm getting fed into now during the week. I'm in community now. I'm actually able to to have that support. And most of us have, uh, have, have, have had this. You know, if you know, if you've been, if somebody's been there for you, you know what it's like to have uh, a real community. Now, the Bible says this in Galatians 5, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's what we all want. That's why we're all here. Now, you may be thinking, well, I go to church, but why isn't it working? Like, I'm going to church, but uh, I still don't feel love. You know, where's my future husband or my future wife? Or I'm going to church, but I don't have a lot of joy. Or peace right now is really hard. And then we start to get into a thing sometimes where you're like, well, it can't be some, the way I, anything I'm doing. It's not to be the church isn't giving me what I want. So now I have some suggestions for the church. <laughs> the church needs to have better times. If you had better times, I'd get involved. It's too hot in there, or it's too cold in there. Music is too loud, or it's not loud enough. We need more ministries for sports, hiking, running, surfing, biking, etc. I need more stuff to do. I don't have enough to do. Uh, you know, how come the church doesn't just fill in the blank? I mean, does the pastor have to wear Hawaiian shirts every week? No, evidently no. <laughs> Got what you want. Most of us would never say these things this way because that would be shallow. Instead, we convince ourselves that our personal preferences are spiritual attributes. Meaning, if that's true, and if you don't go things my way, you're not just going against me, but you're going against God. Now, interestingly, Jesus didn't talk much about worship styles or what people wore on stage or what programs churches should do. He seemed to be more focused on things like unity, love, for people who are different than you, self-sacrifice, laying down your life for the sake of the next generation. But we tell ourselves, now the church I grew up in was different. You ever hear that? Well, I went to my friend's church one time, and their music was amazing. Or I went to this, this other church, and they, were, they really had it going on. Or this other church, man, they did it way better. And there's nothing wrong with learning from other churches. I get that. But we all have this fantasy that there's this perfect church out there, and there isn't. There's none. There is none. Here's what we have to be keeping in mind. What are you doing to make it better? I have some examples I want to share with that right now. Kimberly, one day, Kimberly Milo put on her card, I'd like to see, uh, or do you have a women's ministry at church? And so that's all she said. Is there, is there going to be one? I'm just curious. That weekend, she happened to be singing. And I said, hey, Kimberly, would you mind leading it? She's like, um... Okay. And uh, I said, great, can you make an announcement today? She's like, um, sure. So she went up that day and just said, hey, we're having a women's ministry. If you'd like to sign this there. And she just went for it. I'm not seeing something that I like to see. I'm going to do something about it. 
I'm not just going to complain. They need a women's ministry. That's the problem with that church. She didn't say that. She said, I'm going to do something about it. Jeff Stover said, you know, we're in the senior center, but why aren't we serving seniors? So that's a great point, Jeff. He said, would you mind if I go right ahead? He's developed a relationship with the senior center. So if you would like to serve the seniors here as part of our church's local ministry, you could put, I would like to serve locally. Jeff will contact you. James Barry, Alex Opperman had ideas. He just said, I'm going to step up and do it. Alex Opperman, this guy right here, he doesn't, is, and I don't want to embarrass him too much. He just got back from surfing right now and he just came raining in. On our very first service, he said, Pastor James, I really like this church. I noticed you don't have a student's ministry. I said, I don't. He said, then I'll start one. I was a junior in high school at the time. Then I'll start one. If you don't have it, I'm not going to complain and say, well, you don't have it. See you later. Then I'll start it. Then I'll do it. We're having a bonfire in early October, and it's going to be primarily for students. And if you're a student here or if you're a parent of a student, we'd encourage you to come check that out and just meet other students. Alex is prepared to be there by himself if he asks you because he believes, I believe that I, this is my church family, and I want to be connected to other students in this church. He's not going to sit and complain about it. He's like, if I have to sit at that bonfire by myself, then that's what I'll do. <laughs> Are we going to let that happen, Alex? All right, thank you very much. I hope to see all of you there. Dave Shickley is another guy. We need local um, uh, or global outreach. He's had a ton of experience, and he's already looking to plan a, a trip for South Hill, South County to Puerto Rico next summer. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that are happening here, and these are people that are just saying, you know, I'm, I'm in. You know, I don't want to complain about it. I want to do something about it. Now, I'm going to give you the other example of why that is so important uh, from, let's just say this guy's name is John Doe. Okay, and John Doe, uh, as I told you, was uh, going to a, uh, a gym and talked to his trainer. And John Doe had a lot of advice and a lot of cool ideas about what his trainer should be doing. And John Doe one day said, um, I've broken down the six best workouts around. Which one do you think is best? And he told me, I mean, he told John, um, whichever one you're going to do every day. You could research the snot out of this. It doesn't matter if you're not doing it. So you can give me all this data and all this stuff. Wow, and I'm not impressed by all, this, all these different workouts because if you're not committed to doing them, it doesn't matter. You might have a million ways to make churches better, but if you're not uh, being connected or a part of it, it doesn't matter because you're not going to do it anywhere because other things are just going to pop up that are more important to you. We've got to commit to whatever it is that we want to do. We have to put be all in. What's true about our physical fitness is also true about our spiritual fitness. Now, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you get involved, you never will. You never will. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor, perfect leadership teams, perfect worship, perfect sound, perfect uh, ministries, perfect anything. It just doesn't, perfect kids, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't. So if you're waiting for something to be perfect, it's not. But it's something that we want you to make sure that you're uh, being connected to a church family. Now, it's not to say that you don't have some valid thoughts. Yes, we want to be more convenient for you. But most of us get something out of church. We love it. It's great. Uh, we get something out of it. The issue isn't the, uh, the church sometimes. The issue may be uh, you are not looking for the perfect church. You're looking for the perfect season of life. This is where a lot of people fall into. They go, fine, I get that there's no perfect church, but you're actually looking for the perfect season in life. Church then becomes something you do when everything else is taken care of, which most of the time is usually at Easter and at Christmas. And we say things like this, 
Again, this is not to judge you at all. But we say things to ourselves like this. I just don't have the time. We're so busy right now. I've got so many other things to worry about. I'm really trying to make something out of my career. I'm trying to navigate this new relationship. You don't know what it's like to juggle little kids or middle schoolers or high schoolers. We have games on the weekends. You don't know what it's like to have young adult living at home. You don't know what it's like to be empty nester. The grandkids are such a handful. Just to avoid the suspense, it's just a matter of are you going to commit to it or not? So why is it so important to be at church? Church gives you a time where you are focused on what God wants to tell you with a community of people that can encourage you. We can get sometimes get so caught up and worried about lots of things that prevent us from engaging with God. And then the same thing as in Jesus' day. So before you start beating yourself up, this was the same thing that happened in Jesus' day. Matthew 6.33 says this. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So what does that mean? When our main focus is other things, when other things, everything falls apart. When we focus on knowing God and pursuing virtue and saying no to our ego, making sacrifices in order to serve and love other people, we get better and they get better. All the things we are worried about that we can't control anyway, when put in the hands of God, somehow they just get taken care of. But our culture, cultural philosophy believes in this. If it's, not a, if it's not Instagram worthy, why do it? It's more prestigious to be a critic than a fan. Do less, expect more. Don't play if you can't win. And despite what our culture might say, the, other, the authors of the New Testament would say otherwise. Galatians 6.9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What does that mean? Determine what is good and exhaust yourself in that direction. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're not going to get a wholehearted experience out of a half-hearted approach. We hate this because if I admit what's in my way is me, then I'm admitting the only way forward is for me to get out of my own way. We've got to take responsibility for that. My biggest issues in life were when I honestly try to take the reins and try to skip the whole church community part. It's like I felt like I'm going to take control of my life. I don't like the way things are going, and I'm going to take it back from God, and I always, it never works, ever. I sometimes might talk myself into it, but it just doesn't work. Church is not meant to take things away from you, but add to your life. Listen, I love fun. I love fun. I'm not trying to prevent you from having fun. I'm not trying to take your Sundays away. A lot of times we go, well, we only have two days off a week, and Sunday is one of them, so why do I have to spend an hour there? We're not trying to take anything away from you. We are trying to add to your life. If you have the life God, if you are living the life God wants you to live, that he's prepared for you, there's nothing like it. This is giving you something, not, not preventing you from having fun. So what if the church isn't the problem? What if your approach to it is? Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what does this mean? When you decide to show up and link arms regularly with a group of people with a common goal committed to keeping the main priority in focus, we are better equipped to get there. Friends, you can't do this alone. I've tried. I can't do it. I can't. I literally just had a breakdown one day when I tried to do it all on my own, and I just 
hit my knees crying. I was exhausted. I can't do it. And if you think you can, I, I feel sorry for you because I know what's coming. That breakdown that hit me, it's going to hit you. We can't do it on our own. we got to lock arms with others. Not because we're better than other people, not because we're going to judge other people, but we can't do it on our own. Hebrews 10.25, not giving up meeting together as some of you have the, are in the habit of doing. As long as it's the perfect place and the perfect season and the perfect time, you've got nothing better to do, no. He's like, show up and do it. This all means, it's all coming down to this. Show up consistently and engage fully. Paul uses the example of, next, of, of, of running the race. We use the example of, of next steps, but it's all pretty much the same. We want you to keep moving forward. Now, we're at an amazing uh, time right now uh, in our uh, church's history. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a church history background just from the past, you know, 40 years or so. Um, church, or even longer than that, church in, let's just say the 50s, it was usually in, in a building that had a cross on it and it had a steeple on it, and then everybody went there on Sundays. And then something happened in the 1970s where uh, Chuck Smith basically changed a lot of how we look at church. And it was, uh, it was called the Jesus Movement. And Chuck Smith understood, no, church doesn't have to be this structured little thing with the steeple and the cross and everything. No, no, no. Um, we're going to make church open for everybody. And it started growing. And Calvary Chapel started popping up when Costa Mesa. And it really started getting a lot of attention. And it wasn't like the old traditional churches. But you still had some people that were still thinking uh, traditional. So, for example, there's a great quote from Chuck Smith showing you how he really got it. Because when they uh, got their new building, they put carpet, nice carpet in. And at the time, there was a lot of surfers and hippies coming in. And they weren't wearing any shoes or socks. And so they came in barefoot and their feet were really dirty. And they went to him and they said, Chuck... You got to tell them, we got to have a policy that you have to wear shoes and socks in church. Why? Because they're getting the carpet dirty. And he goes, then rip the carpet out. He got it. A lot of people agreed with this way of church, and they said, I want to go there. You had innovators, brilliant innovators like Robert Schuller having church in a, uh, a drive-in movie theater. Nobody ever thought of that. Drive-in movie theater. Innovators. Innovators like uh, Bill Hybels back in the day or Rick Warren having church in a, in a high school. Nobody had churches in schools back in the day. These guys were innovators. And everybody started to like it. Here's the thing that happened. What do we do with all these people? Let's build a place. Let's have a nice place that could fit all of these people in one roof. Let's build the Christian Cathedral. Let's buy up land and make buildings and bigger buildings and bigger buildings. And what happened is we sometimes, and the danger in some of this, is that we can sometimes associate a church with a place now. And then it became an arms race. We've got to have a bigger building. We've got to have a bigger thing. We've got to have a bigger kids thing. We need a restaurant. We need an arcade. We need a wave pool. We need all of these things to have a great place. Because we need to attract more people. Because these big things cost a lot of money. So we need to have more and more people. Now, are these guys bad? Nope, they're great. They're unbelievable visionary leaders. Unbelievable. Do, do they love God? Yes, absolutely. But they were like thinking, well, if everybody likes what we're doing, let's build a big place for them. And again, the downside to this is that we associate church with a place. It's not a place. Church is not a place you go to. It is a family that you belong to. It's not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. We learned this 
uh, in a very real way uh, the past two years. Melanie and I thought we were going to be in one place forever. And, and, and God said, nope, that season's over. We're going to do something different. It's a great church. But just that season's over. We're going to do something different. And we saw firsthand, and God needed us to see what was out there. Because we were very insulated for years. We were in one place, and we thought, this is what happens. I thought, if I'm going to leave this church, then I have to go to another church and have a position, because I was a position here, so I have to have a position here at another church. And that, posi- and that church has to have an office, and they have, like, you know, administrative assistants, and they have this, and they have that, and that's what a church looks like virtually. So we went around and we were talking to lots of churches and the girls were in about eight to ten different churches in a year. Just talking to all these churches all around Orange County and they're great churches. They've got some cool stuff and their kids area is awesome. This one church had a giant tubular slide from upstairs to downstairs to check the kids in. I went down it. It was awesome. I'm like, this is cool. Maybe this is the church we should work at. Maybe this is the one we should go to. Because this building and this place is awesome. But then we realized it's not about the building or the place. Because you know what? It wasn't our family. We felt like we were visiting someone else's family on Thanksgiving. I don't know anyone. This isn't my community. It's, It's not my family. I can't even get to know. There's thousands of people. I don't even know where to start to know somebody. And it wasn't home. Is there anything wrong with those churches? No. No, of course not. I I, I hope that they continue to reach more for Jesus. We're all on the same team. There's nothing wrong with them. But for me and for Melanie, we were like, where's our family? And then Melanie and I go to a cafeteria in Costa Mesa. And it was South Hills, Costa Mesa. They were meeting at the time in a cafeteria. This is where God wants us. Clearly God was saying, I'm not mad at these churches. I'm with all of you guys. You're all my kids. But I don't want you there. I want you here. This is what I want to do with you. And it clicked immediately. We said, this is what we're supposed to do. And our girls felt connected immediately. And we knew that I get this. I, we had to learn that in order for us to start this church. Because we understand the importance of community and family like nobody else. We get the importance of this. It's not just I'm trying to sell you something. We are living this. And it meant so much to us when Piper and Phoebe said at seven years old, Daddy, this is the church we want to be baptized. And they wanted to do it immediately. And I said, why? She said, because I love our people. And I said, why? She goes, because I can tell that they really love me. You can't fake this. And so we were able to baptize our girls here in this church family. Do we have a picture of that? That was one of the greatest days I've ever, we've ever been a part of. That's family. Do you want to know what family looks like? It looks like this. That's what family looks like. There is no brick and mortar here. There is no fancy landscaping. There is no big giant office buildings. There is no big, huge things for the kids. This is what family looks like, guys. Jesus says, you don't need brick and mortar. You don't need a big, fancy building with big, fancy glass or big, fancy things. I love what Robert Schuller did. But when he was gone, the Crystal Cathedral was gone with it. It's not about a building. It's not about a place. This is church family. 
And this is what we want all of you to be able to experience. Friends, on that day, I felt like I was at a family gathering, honestly. I didn't feel like I was going to visit a church. I was at a family gathering. And for me, for me, I realized I don't need all that stuff or a big place. That is community. And that is family. It took our girl. If we'll ever have a building one day or not, I don't know. I, I honestly, I just don't care. Um, because I know that uh, we could have, be in a park and we'll still be a church family. We could be at the beach and we'll still be a church family. We are going to continue on and moving forward. God blessed us with this awesome facility. And he's got things that he wants to do in this church and we're going to let him do it. But we're going to continue to grow as a family. We're not going to let our address dictate how big or small we are. Does that make sense? We are just going to focus on God and doing what he wants to do in his church. Here's what this bottom line is. Personal growth requires us to regularly do what is healthy over what is easy. I know that going to church all the time is not going to be easy. I get it. But I can't get to know you and you can't get to know me if we only see each other every once every now and then. This is a family that we have to grow with each other. If you don't show up, I'm not making you feel guilty. I'm just making sure, are you okay? I just want to make sure you're okay. If I know you're okay, great. Is somebody feeding into you? Great. Great. We're going to do this uh, together. This is going to give you a, a quick synopsis of what the next few weeks are going to be like. Please do not miss any of these messages. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to do this together. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this family that you blessed us with. God, Melanie and I had no idea what you were doing with us. No idea. I thank you so much for all the churches that we've been a part of, for showing us so much. I thank you for former church leaders that have shown me personally so much. And I'm so appreciative for my time. Uh, everywhere I've been personally and everywhere Melanie and I have served, God, we're so thankful for those churches that have been in our lives. But we'll also thank you for bringing us here and for opening our eyes to what you want to do in this community. God, the, 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 the fire that we have inside of us isn't just manufactured uh, just by chance, God. You put this fire in us to do something here that's different, not better or worse, just different in this community. Father, we are at an exciting time in church history. Just like the 70s with Chuck Smith and all of those things, this is another extremely exciting time in church history where we're seeing big, big churches trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller. We're realizing that people are wanting more intimate relationships. They, they want to know their pastor. God, there is a giant wave, a giant movement. And Father, we are humbled that we get to be on the front end of that movement here at South Hills Church. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of something new and exciting. We get to be a part of riding this incredible new wave of smaller, more intimate relational churches, God. Father, there is no perfect church. We're not perfect. There is none. But, Father, I thank you so much that we have this family here, that we don't have to be perfect, that we can be ourselves and not risk being judged, and, but we would be loved. So, God, I pray that you can continue to um, grow this church, God, that you can continue to do what you want to do in your church and that we would recognize that it's you and not any person that's doing it. 
that we would recognize that it's your spirit that is doing it. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, well, um, we, uh, we are gonna, we're going to close out right now. Uh, one of the things that uh, you guys might have gotten a lot of recently, a lot of messages on this new app. There's some confusion on this new app that we're doing. If you're visiting us, you don't have to pay any attention to this. But if this is your church, a quick little, um, you might have been confused about it. Uh, th this is a new way we're doing this. And there's actually a quick little video that they, they put together to give you some instructions. Hi, my 